pandemic trapped a bunch of aging role-playing gamers in their homes, forcing them to crawl out of their pen and paper comfort zone and into the online world of virtual tabletops and video calls. To join them as they raise the curtain to share their stories, insights, and love all things geek. To grab your longsword and your plus one bottle of Viagra and get ready for another episode of Advanced Age Role-Playing Gamers Podcast. That's a lot of syllables for one sentence. Hello and welcome to the Advanced Age Roleplaying Gamers podcast with another installment of Meet the Cast. We want you to get to know our cast a little better and what better way than to share some of their history with gaming and how it has played a role in their lives. So without further ado, let's meet our cast member, Malcolm. Yay! Uh, Hello. Yeah, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us. uh, I mean, you just introduced it. Yeah, you just about to say hello. Just, and sort of, you got a little ahead of the and script there, pal. The cast. <laughs> I, I, I could have mispronounced it, but uh, it, it's Malcolm. Malcolm is correct. You have to double emphasize that uh, second L. Yes, Malcolm. Can you say the Sanskrit? <laughs> so, anyway, uh, those of you that uh, listen to the audio-only version of this uh, may recognize Malcolm's voice from. Uh, our first couple of, of Aliens episodes, when we ran Destroy of Worlds. Uh, if you only know about the YouTube, then maybe you should check out the podcast and, and catch up on those Alien episodes. If you're watching the videos, you see how he single-handedly raises the charisma of the, of the entire party. <laughs> I- <laughs> Totally. And, 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 you know, while, while I'm being stupid, when I, I want to be official and, and uh, the rest of the of the uh, nut jobs here, why don't you go around and introduce yourselves? I'm Chris, and I'm playing the part of Cheer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm Sean, sorry. and I'm also playing the part of Tear. <laughs> and I'm Matt, uh, co-host. Playing uh, the part Matt. of Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight, I will be... Blanco Fantasma. No. Who, since he's dead, will be strangely silent. Shh. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, before we get started, I, I think I'm, I speak for everybody that, that uh, we're so happy to have Malcolm uh, back with us. Um, you know, when we started this thing, he was here and... and you know, while we had a lot of fun without him, it was really, it was pretty awesome this first uh, few times uh, getting to, to do this with him. And, and, and just gaming with Malcolm in general is, is always fun, and we always look forward to it. So, uh, I, I, since I'm already talking, I might as well and go ahead and ask the first question. So, so Malcolm, uh, why don't you tell us... Uh, when and what system you started playing when you uh, first started role-playing? Okay. <laughs> um, that would be in 1983. We had just moved from Texas to Washington, D.C. area, and my mother wanted to get me out of the way because <laughs> we were moving in, and my brothers had already taken off, and I was just sitting around, and she, and she had managed to wrangle my little brother somewhere, but she's like, you know, go, go. Why don't you go hang out with a neighbor? Because we just met our neighbors. She goes, go hang out with, you know, his, their son, Eric. You guys can, you know, find something to do. He's close to your age. He was not, but my mom was just, like, generalizing. Anyway, so I went over to my friend, Eric, my neighbor's Eric's house, and he introduced me to Dungeons & Dragons. I think it was just the, the basic Dungeons & Dragons. I'm almost certain it was. 
And I think it was his was in the blue box. So he didn't even hit it. It was like, it was, so his was like the early, you know, the really early 71 or something. And um, that was an amazing situation as far as I'm concerned. I had never, never played a role-playing game and just found it completely fascinating. My first character, whose last name I do not remember, but his first name was Damascus because I thought that sounded pretty exotic. Damascus Steel? And he was a dwarf, which I think might have been the class, too. So I Damascus Iron. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Damascus Iron. Yes, that, that's fine. Okay, that, that'll work, too. And I had, I mean, you know, and he, you know, he ran me through, I think, I can't, it might have been, um, uh, it might have been B1 or B2, I can't remember which one, I think, or his own, I think it was a dungeon of his own making. And it was absolutely amazing. I was fascinated by the idea that you could build a story and then have someone play it out. And there was this sort of way it randomly happened. It wasn't, you know, it was kind of like, you know, we're playing make-believe, but there were things we couldn't control because it was just randomized dice and we could figure out exactly how strong or how short or how fast or how quick or how, you know, good my particular made-up character was. And I thought it was absolutely amazing. Um, and we were living on base at the time. And that started a whole entire love of it. And then, you know, as Eric moved, up, moved away and other, people, other kids moved in, we, the D&D group that we had sort of shifted and changed and also, you know, from there, it's grew up for other different games that came about over the years and new players and new systems and new characters. And I think, you know, that was the path that started this slight obsession that I have. Slight. 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 Because, yeah, that's my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so you told us a little bit about your first character. Um so have you had, what are some of your favorite characters that you've played? And so, and why are some of them so memorable? Now I know I, I caveat this because I'm really curious because most of the time I've known you, you've, you've been the GM. And so I, I'm kind of wondering, flipping that around when you've had a chance to it's, play. It's kind of odd because usually my, most of my favorite times are when I'm GMing and an NPC I get to play. But in playing a games, um, there are a number of, like, keynote characters that stand out flat out that I just, you know, just, just remembered. I, I think the obvious one to me was, like, the, was one of the, uh, was, uh, was one of the characters I played for a long time in a D&D game uh, when I first met you guys, and that would be Ariel of Avonlea. Oh, who yeah. Was, who was his cleric, and that pretty much set the whole entire tone for a lot of my playing as far as knowing, you know, putting emotional depth as far as power and as far as else you can do. I really love that character as far as playing it. It was a great character. It was a very, a very dynamic one um, who teetered and constantly, you know, tested the borders of what was truly moral and what was, you know, what was good and what was righteous. Uh, teetered, you know, tested against what was free and what was liberty, you know, kind of thing. So, you know, sort of playing with all of that. And, you know, we had, we had some pretty, you know, our GM was pretty strict, but we did, we did pretty good and had a lot of fun with that game. And that was a great character. Um, I guess another one would be, it was only for a short time, was the Dr. Bones in a cyberpunk campaign. I just loved his mullet. <laughs> 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 which was like, I mean, which was the fashion at the time, apparently. Uh, but if I can interject there. So was that the one where he'd always check the, the patient's like credit before he... Uh... Oh yeah, that was Bones. Yeah, <laughs> the cyberpunk. He always... Sh- so, you never ooh. did surgery. Like, yeah, it's like, no, I, I think I can only do a little bit here. <laughs> yeah. Or or basically, I would just tell my goons to push him out of the ambulance. Your <laughs> like, goons? Well, oh, they were actually, okay, I'm sorry, I rephrase that. 
my nurses. Cyberpunk, <laughs> yeah, the the, uh, the but yeah, the, my, the my PAs and nurses were like, nope. Yeah, they were, yeah, yeah, they're goons. I mean, they were armed and they were armored, but they could do minor surgery too, at least assist. So yeah, I, I right, completely respect so that. I, I remember that. That was that was. Pretty- um, I think after that, then there was, of course, Catalyst, who was a mutant in the Marvel superhero game. Self-righteous prick to, be, to a great degree, but I thought it was a lot of fun to just play someone who skirted the whole entire edge of villainy while trying to be a hero. At least he wanted to look like a hero on the outside. No thanks to Black Archer, who was horrible. <laughs> that was the worst character ever. Oh my gosh, I still talk about that, but we'll get the Was that later. the healing anyway. arrows? <laughs> yes, the healing arrows. Yes, yes. healing arrow. I was like, that's I'll all shoot wrong. I'll with but my healing arrows. I was like, I have the ability to cause their bodies to basically heal themselves by just waving my hands over them without shooting them with arrows. Anyway. But where's the fun? There was yeah. the fun. Yeah. Yeah. You the, the disintegration arrows to save people was another thing he did. Was, Why do I keep I, the disintegration arrows right next to the healing arrows? <laughs> Damn it. Classic James. <laughs> it's classic, yeah. But, um, and I, should I think they're... It's kind of really hard because I often get my NPCs mixed up with the players I've played, characters I've played, but... Um, well, that's okay. In fact, I, I was going to think, for, for since you've done so much GMing, I was actually wondering, so you've got your favorite PCs. What, what are some? I mean, you've done a million characters, right? I've so done a million characters, some are so it's your kind of favorite, really hard. Right, right. <laughs> it's kind of really Do hard to some... say. I mean, <laughs> it's like... Uh, you really have played there. like a million people, so you've got to think about that haystack, right? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of that haystack. Um and it's hard. I mean, I can't even remember all their names. That's the thing. I mean, like, I remember some, like, you know, like, Corporal Nichols was this one pivotal character in a mobile suit game until she sacrificed herself to save the, you know, to save the group. But it was, like, loved playing that character up to, you know, up to her end. And even after she, you know, was dead, it was really a great legacy character left behind. Um, there was, well, well of course... In the Supers game, there were a ton of people I loved to play. <laughs> I, I loved Gold Sovereign, who was, you know, who was, you know, the nemesis of, you know, <laughs> of, the Emerald, of Emerald Fury. Yes. I mean, the idea of this, you know, you know, <laughs> this, this British royal running around in a super armor shaped like this Golden King who would have these little, his henchmen, the beef eaters, come and beat up on him. It was pretty awesome. Um, that was awesome. Dr. Fu Manchu for the same game. Oh, <laughs> He was a very, you know, strong traditionalist in how we did things. He used to do things this way. You derive in your, you know, your zeppelin and you'd, you'd trap the heroes. You'd never watch them die because that was just rude. If they escaped, yeah, it's part of the profession. It's a part of what we do. You know, it's I tradition. Love it, but it's tradition. And um, there's a, n- a number of villains that I did love doing. But, jeez, um, uh, there's just so many. I mean, no, that was actually a character I played. Was a Star Trek character, Hawkins. She was crazy. Anyway, <laughs> that, was, that was a different game. Um, there's quite. I mean, it's just just a lot of games that I'm playing here as playing characters I played. But those first three other ones that really stick out as far as characters that I played and that I remember as far as being a player. I mean, there are characters I'm playing now that I really enjoy, and maybe they'll get through that point. But we'll see. You know. Um, I'm really enjoying this one thief in this other game right now. But she's ended up being the mother hen in this whole entire party, but that's a different thing. <laughs> yeah, she, anyway, that's a different thing. That's, but, that's, um, your, that's, that's your role as a DM a lot, too. <laughs> yeah, so I think I just, 
sort of fell into that. Wasn't my plan, but it's all working out. But yeah. So, uh, you know, like the rest of us, you started playing with when you're a teenager. Uh, now that you know you're 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 slightly older, um, <laughs> <laughs> what what, so what keeps you playing? You know, role playing games after all these years. What? Why do you? Why is this hobby so important to you? I there's a number of reasons, I guess, but I think it is probably initially. At first, it would be the first reason that got me into the game. It is the story building. It is the building an epic story, or not so epic story, but a story nonetheless? You know, with your friends. That is, even in the most mundane worlds we've played in, larger than life in the end, because you guys have came, you come together to make this story. Either as a player, as a GM, or as both, you know. Um, we've always, you know, I've always, you know, you always grow up with stories like, you know, Gilgamesh and Beowulf and the saga of King Horoth, you know, Kroki or something like that, you know. These are all epic hero stories that have ups and downs that a hero grows and goes to these adventures, but you're always sort of watching, trying to imagine what they're liking and never putting yourself in it. And role-playing lets you put yourself in that adventure. But that same thing, it also lets you just sort of let go. It is, yeah, it is an escapism to a certain degree that I am for a bit living in a world that has even, you know, maybe not even the same connections to the way this world actually folds out. That is, that does affect my role playing and my world building is because I don't tend to be like, I mean, I was known for a long while as a GM, it didn't kill players, which I regretted later. But yes, yes. Sean. <laughs> no. <laughs> But no, thing is, we spoke of him earlier. But the thing is, it was one of the things that we just, you, it was an epic story that you really truly didn't want to end. So sometimes I carried it on longer than it should and gave a lot of graces when I probably should have just punished people. But anyway, that aside, it is a story building. It is the building of an epic story collectively. It is that thing that even in the most primitive parts of humanity that we start off telling tales and stories in a fire and that it would be spread between one generation to the next or built in that story as far as those collectively, be it our discussion of what happened on the hunt and how everyone saw it different or how we gathered things from the field and saw that bird that came landing in the middle of the village. All those things, even way back then into the future, are about us building stories together that are epic and amazing. And role-playing lets you do that. It also creates a bit of unpredictability by having like dice or cards or whatever it is that randomizes some of the results, but still it's a, build, a story that you're building together. So that's why. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like we are those cavemen, the, the cavemen that drew dicks <laughs> on the, on the cave wall. Well, yeah, we are still, yeah, we are them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're, they're still, we're still those guys though. So this is um, why I shut off the option to shut, to, to draw things on my table, electronic tabletops. Now you just know, because <laughs> you end up with a way a lot more dicks than you. So many dicks. So many dicks. <laughs> You speak of dicks like it's a bad thing. Though, all my players always can say, every time I draw any map, it's like, is that a dick? I'm like, I, it's a hallway with two rooms. <laughs> so it's an anus. They're yeah. antechambers. <laughs> what, what's, yeah. anti what's the penis version of Peridolia? <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. They'll find it, yeah. So it's like, <laughs> it's to be expected, but I'm sorry, go on. <laughs> now, as you say, uh, do you have a favorite uh, game system or a couple systems? Has it changed over time? Uh, yes and yes and yes. <laughs> um, I do have a favorite game system. Um, and that would be GURPS generic role-playing system by uh, Steve Jackson. 
um, only because it has been the most pliable as far as being able to create for my world building what I need as far as tools. The thing is, it's a very crunchy system, meaning there are a lot of rules for everything you might possibly need, but all that information and data is right there. It's very detailed, which is good as far as certain building aspects, but as far as resolution, sometimes that can be bogged down. But I do love it. I love this. I've run everything from Elizabethan space games to Bronze Age fantasy games to, you know, you know, near future mech games, you know, to anything cyberpunk to, you know, whatever I have been able to run in that system. And I've really enjoyed it. The only thing I really haven't run in it and done really well is supers, but I found another system for that and I'm happy to find something else for that. It's just a bit too realistic. But, um, I, I was for a long time a starch believer that that was like the one system for everything. Um, but, you know, you come, I mean, I'd come, I'd start off playing D&D, and then my mother was like one of those, we don't, you know, that's a Satan's game, so that means I don't play D&D at her house, or when she knows it. So I could, so only could books, so I, so I immediately switched over to like, you know, I'll get a space game, which, you know, as far as my mom was concerned, that's not devil worship, it's fine. So we played Traveler. Space devils. It was like, whatever, you know. And so I, you know, I did Traveler, and then, you know, I did Teenage Mutant Turtles, and then that turned into, you know, um, this is the Palladium system with Teenage Mutant Turtles. And then it was um, Heroes Unlimited and Palladium, and then it became Robotech and Palladium, and then it went on from there. And then I originally got into, and eventually stumbled into GURPS. And that was the same time we were doing the Masquerade as well, you know. And Cyberpunk was back in there somewhere. And <laughs> so there's a whole lot of games that were rolling out, I guess, Murps in this early. To- yeah, Murps. Oh my gosh, Iron Crown. Anyway, uh, but a lot of great games, and I think it's when I actually after I moved here, and I found out no one moved here in Tennessee. No one knows how to play. There was no one was playing Gerps. I think it was like five guys, and I found them, but everybody else was not playing Gerps. And you would actually suggest it, Nathan, that I try out. Fifth edition D and D, and I was like, I had a taste of three point five and didn't care for it. Had a taste of four, and I was like, I really hate that. <laughs> and I was like, I don't even do it. And it's like, just try it. And I, I tried it out, and then I went to a couple of intro league um, sessions to try and get familiar with the rules with their players, um, and really liked the fifth edition. It did remind me it had some trappings from you know yeah. second edition, and then it had all the. It literally did a good job of taking a lot of parts from each of the versions beforehand be it 3.5, 3, 4, you know, and building a decent system that was very approachable. And I remember opening the player's handbook and being utterly amazed when I saw for the first time in any basic starting player book, I saw someone who looked like me in that book. I can't tell you how amazing it was to see that for humans, the example was a black woman. For fighters, it was a black man. And I was just utterly floored by that. You know, there are people of color throughout the whole entire book and the, and the supplement books thereafter. And I was just amazed that it was like, it made it much more approachable. It mm. made people say, yeah, you belong in this universe too. You belong in this amazing, fantastic world. And I think when people are talking about this upsurge of, you know, role playing and so forth, we have to give props where they are. I mean, Wizards of the Coast did an excellent job of making a very approachable system as far as its mechanics and how it works. 
and making the product seem look like you giving you letting the players see themselves in these books. Um, they've even gone further with that. Another another other books thereafter, but that was really great to see, and it was a very easy system to learn. I mean, I, I mean, I couldn't imagine trying to teach people about FACO. I just was like, oh god, that'd be horrible. But <laughs> <laughs> I know it, but it's like teaching new players that would be such impossible now. But um, it was a very approachable system, and then almost like you know, I think it was like within three years of its, you know. It, it, of it being out, like all the three books were out and everything else, then you have Critical Role hit the, hit the waves. And I'll have to be honest, I mean, that is a team of professionals, flat out. So, just, I mean, just like us. I was just, <laughs> just like us, yeah. I mean, Goddamn right. Goddamn right. Yeah. A team of great voice actors who worked They're together. They're very good. They're a, a very good. A team of good friends and who had a knife, who had a, who had a great support starting off and it continued and to grow. Oh, yeah, they have a great budget, yes. And I think is what happens is you have people watching something that's happened that I never thought would happen in my lifetime. People are sitting there watching hours of people play yeah. D&D. I mean, that's the kind of thing my dad would stumble in at four in the morning, like, where the hell are you guys doing in my basement kind of thing? But <laughs> <laughs> he's still mystified by that. He just like, I don't understand this. Anyway, but we were watching it. People were seeing that it was something that they felt was, I mean, not only was the rules approachable, but now they saw how to play it and it could be approachable. No one can play a game like that. Those super professionals do not be dissuaded play if your game does not look like that. It won't. Like I said, they have a lot of budget and a lot of pressure. Anyway. Maybe um, yours, Malcolm. Not, not, not mine. <laughs> maybe yours. But uh, All top shelf here, right? Yeah, yeah, all top shelf. As long as it's just in the bottles. Anyway, um, but <laughs> very, very that, show. that <laughs> we call it rail play. What? <laughs> but um, the thing is, this is, it was a very approachable game. You had a you know a very charismatic group of people showing you how to play, and so people got really excited about it. And then you have a pandemic where people are stuck at home. People have just started getting out, getting to meet each other, getting together for groups, all that stuff. And then suddenly they can't, but they want to play this game and there's a platform to play it on. And so virtual tabletop becomes a big thing, you know? And also with that, because people are watching, you know, Critical Role and other groups on, on YouTube, like ours, they're also getting other contents from other, other games as far as other games are being promoted by various players and trying out things. You know, so then it begins to expand as far as what we have to offer. And about that, you know, the period that was happening before the pandemic, I came to the realization that there are certain games you use for certain things. Well, I love GURPS for just about everything. Uh, I had to take a step back and realize that, you know what? For really great high fantasy feel, nothing beats D&D. I really like it for that. And I'm really going to use it for that, you know. Um... For my, you know, for my high action adventure, cliffhanger stuff, Savage Worlds was the to-go. You cannot beat that. Savage Worlds, though, is very versatile. Yeah. And it's quickly becoming one of my favorite game systems for other games as well. Um, and it was a matter of just looking and seeing. And there's some games like, you know, Knives of Dark, other things that are catered to particular sort of like genres and, and, and sort of like game building. 
Some don't require any game building, no world building at all, and you just sort of jump into it. Others require a bit more complex or have very complex worlds that are very toned and have a certain theme to them. But they all are good in their own way as long as the players and the, and the GMs come together to that's what they want from that game. And so it's varied. <laughs> so right now I'm, in a, I'm doing Savage Worlds. I'm actually running, um, it's a variant off the uh, Mind the Gravity uh, universe. Um, uh, this is a crew of the Halcyon. And they're called the Flight of the Halcyon. It's called that game, and it's in Savage Worlds. It's a space game. I have a little follow-on question. You mentioned world building a few times, and like you and I are such different DMs. Where like me, I I really just build an outline and just kind of wing it from there. To sometimes great, sometimes less than great effect. <laughs> um, but you, you really. And Matt too, uh, since he's sitting here too, uh, you you both really spend a lot of time building the worlds up. I can hear it reverberating in your speakers, Koopo. <laughs> We're interviewing Malcolm Tony. So let's take a second and welcome Tiny Tony to our uh, to our gangbang of an interview with with Malcolm. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that's what my yeah, wife we're just uh, circling <laughs> around. Um, but so I was just saying that. Uh, so let, let me back up and, and start over again. Um, um, before you do, I got to get from one the in. beginning. Oh, hold yeah. on, wait, so, wait, so wait. Three, we're we're two, running a train of questions. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's always showing. That was just you. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was just <laughs> you. Hold on to that, Matt. <laughs> that the moment had passed. <laughs> That's well, what she Matt, said. it's always uh, bad timing. Anyway. Rather. So I'm going to roll back and, and start over my, my, my question again. So, so, uh, when we talk about the, the types of role-playing games you like, um, you talked about, you mentioned world-building a lot, and, and you know, you and I are, are such different DMs. Uh, like, I, I tend to build, like, an outline and kind of wing it a lot to, to great effect or, or less. Um, but, but you, like, every game I, I play with you, you, you really have these notebooks of, of details on... On all the NPCs, the weather, the types of uh, food everybody eats, uh, you know, for, uh, all the meals that are presented, and and the histories going back hundreds or maybe thousands of years uh, of these territories, and and uh, it's it just amazes me. Like I I could, like I would be I'm completely incapable of that kind of level of detail. And I'm I'm thoroughly impressed by what uh, what you're by, by the way you do that. So, well, the fact that you do that is. But what is your approach to world building? And and Malcolm as a follow-on, <laughs> how how long should a DM dis, uh, describe what dinner is during a normal session? Okay. Should I, when I answer the first, the second question first? Okay. How long do you describe what a dinner is? It depends. If you oh. have food available or not. <laughs> also, like, is it a formal dinner? Is it a fast food? Like, yeah, I think it's like, it's, it's, I mean, is the dinner a character or an event itself? Like, for instance, when I went through describing, like, the dinner of a certain king or prince or prince getting, you know, coronation, and there's a difference between the high table and, your, and the other table of the players, well, some of the players, I think some of you were nobles, so you got to eat the good table. Anyway. <laughs> I went to all the detail as far as that food because 
it was the amount of excess that had to be explained. Like, the fact that there was, you know, roast peacock that was stuffed with sparrows that were, you know, kind of, <laughs> those kind of things need to be described so you realize the amount of opulence that's required in the situation and not. But it's also the very same thing as describing, like, you know, the, the food printer shoots out a, you know, a sort of a grayish, semi-translucent goop, you know. I mean, even describing that tells them, like, exactly what it looks like, how much care and love is in that actual squirting. Or discharging, I guess. <laughs> squirting. <laughs> squirting. Squirting is probably the right word. Of their, you know, of their Nutra paste, you know. It's, you know. That's so what we call it now? We call it on the upper decks. So it can be as yes. long or as short <laughs> as that character. Me- I mean, I think it's if you make the meal a character. As far as, what, as far as how do I start my world building? Yeah. It usually starts with an idea. Like, for instance... And the game I'm running now. See, that's like, the main difference between Nathan and, and Jay. See, you have an idea. And, uh, uh, what are you talking about? Don't pull back the curtain. Don't pull back the curtain. <laughs> no ideas. So it's so it's it, yeah. It's 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 like you know, it's it's an idea or a concept that's almost like a well, almost like a pitch for a show. That's because I almost see all my show all my games as being like if they were shows. And how would I build a writer's Bible for them? So the writer can come up with an adventure for it. And like, we don't allow that, but we allow this, you know, same thing. And that's kind of been my sort of mantra. Like every, because every, uh, every session is somewhat an episode in a way. The characters are the main characters. And then there's, you know, special guests and there's, you know, co-stars. And then there's a lot of just extras. As far as how I build it. But a story has come to the conflict. For instance, this story was, what happens when you have a bunch of people at the end of their work contract and they're given the possibility of taking this job that might be illegal, but if they do it, it could make them rich. If it goes bad, they can't go back to where they've been working and contracted for years. So that's how it starts off. And then you give them this terrible workplace <laughs> and you shop them up in space and then set them on this adventure where they find this ship that could change their lives or doom them and they're not really sure and they're five sessions in and they still don't know hmm. but they're making the best of it you know and then you know you have to pick, where's the ship come from who is their who is their employer what kind of government does that employee does that employee work in does that come and you start just building out from there and then you know a lot of things were just like you know what's common for this genre we need to have a big bad uniform bad guys and this guys you go you know you this, this space game is a lot more sort of lackadaisical as far as its overall feel. It's not the harsh. It's more comedic, I guess, or somewhat comedic in some ways. Mm-hmm. Can, can I add to that? Because and, and in all seriousness, do you find um, – how do you draw the line? Because one thing that I find with any great campaign is knowing when – Sean dies. Sean dies. <laughs> No, 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 I have been waiting no. for that. Just waiting. So, so has so, so has our our, our listeners. Um, but but besides <laughs> that, no. But 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 in all seriousness, you can get into so much world building that you kind of lose focus of the story. Like when to stop? Yeah. yeah so when, stop. How, when, when? How do you uh, balance that? Because as a as all of us here are writers, and you can get lost in the sandbox. And forget the story. So how, how do you balance that? I'll be perfectly honest. There's a lot of times I do get lost. And it's a matter of like, uh, how 
much to, I mean, because it's, it's always the question of, of trying to figure out when I'm working on something is like, how much will I, when will I need this? Will this be a value to the players in the story? Will they ever really encounter this? Is it a great, you know, and it's like, it's, it's not just difficult to make that happen because you're thinking like, well, how do I get this? Uh, how, do I, how do I make certain it's not? I mean, the characters could take a left and suddenly be here. But it's hard. I mean, for me, it's hard because I tend to over, I tend to do too much, always. But um, finding out and determining what the value of that is to the particular story, if the, to the characters that are currently going to be involved or how you think they're going to be involved, and, is there, is, and do you have enough to at least get you to the first step? Because some things you only need to describe only so far, and you may be able to stall enough to, fit, to then fill all the blanks in later. So but, uh, with the, uh, I'm sorry for interrupting, but like th there are times where we've been on great campaigns with Matt and Nathan, and they planned uh, a tributary, um, and they were like, oh, I can't, I can't wait to smash their brains in. And, <laughs> and then Sean will say something like, Let's just go down the alley, and then like, what? And then, like you know, and so we'll bypass a whole uh, uh, story arc. That uh, yes. So my question, you're my, talking my about question, a recent game, aren't you? <laughs> yes. Uh, so my question is, did you ever like plan something to such a uh, detail, oh. and you're like, oh, this is all, what, oh. this is all going to be wasted, and then at the last second, they brought it back around, and you're like, oh, good, I get to uh, you know. Uh, so here's. You know, Here's what I did. I had planned out and drawn this great dungeon they were going to go through at the start of the campaign. I think they were like maybe third level in this one game, and they're headed towards there, and they leave. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I have all this stuff. So I just put it away, and then what I do is I make certain those motherfuckers end up back there again. Or that dungeon ends up being uh, the dungeon they go into later. Or that alley begins, you know. Certain things will, of course, have a certain feel and can't be switched around like that. But um, that is one of the, the terrifying things I go through, is like all the questions players have asked you about a world is my horrible thing. It's like, well, who's, the, you know, is there, is there a mage college? And it's like, okay, got to make up a mage college. Is there an assassin guild? Got to make up an assassin's guild. Got to make up a thief's guild. Got to figure out what is the currency? These are kind of stupid things that crazy things that players often ask. Hey, Chris, ask, Chris, you're taking notes. I make this build. Yeah, okay, yeah. we're writing all this That's shit like, down. That I make <laughs> up. Like they, they want an Assassin's Guild, but none of you qual uh, qualified the entrance exam. So yeah, it's not yeah. about that. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like if there is, I mean, like, because some people want to build backgrounds based on what they know. Other people don't really need to. And sometimes you don't really have to worry about that. But I am a person who overbuilds a lot. But finding the line is just a matter of where do you think it's also affected by your tone of your game. Um, like, I mean, this, this space game I'm running right now is rather unique for me because all I've done is I haven't built any story. I've just built a large framework to go around it. And then I've had this book of like a hundred space adventures for like 20 years. And I'm like, I never use them. I'll just let them roll two percentile dice and, and there's a hundred of them. And whatever they roll will be the next adventure we run. I'll just make it up from based on that. No other content based on that. Just try and do it, which has been a challenge for me, but also a way to try and change how I run a game so I don't overbuild. So I'm building only for that adventure as soon as they roll it. Like this one, they just rolled, and it's like, okay, 94. I have a basic, basic description of the adventure, and I have to build off of that. Before, I mean, like in other games I've run, like there, there's a very cognitive story as far as where they're supposed to go. 
they are, you know, like they, like the, um, I guess it was the uh, urban fantasy game where they were in Baltimore and they tried, they were trying to stop a, an ancient vampire from coming back. They didn't realize it until much, too much in the middle of the story, and a vampire from coming back to the city. Of course, there was also <laughs> the dilemma that the vampire, the vampire's That's motives true. are not necessarily unjustified, but they are too <laughs> bit brutal. So it was kind of weird. So it was a thing. Don't go in that. And, you know, Baltimore, the vampire got robbed. So there, you know, and that was, and that was a whole entire campaign that was actually based on, oddly enough, racial justice at the time, you know. And it was one, it was dealing with, you know, you know, the slave trade and slavery when this happened. And they're in the modern age dealing with the repercussions of a vampire from that period coming back. Anyway, mm. in a very tense, a racially tense city at that time. So that was, you know, that, that how very, you know, that was very, that scope of that universe required me to know a lot about Baltimore, I guess, or areas around it, and to, and to look into some Maryland and Virginia folklore, as well as things they'd be familiar with, as far as the players. Goatman. Uh, Goatman. That's what I was about to say, Goatman. <laughs> Goatman. And as well as, you know, taking a lot of liberties and fun. And I, you know, and that one, that campaign was, you know, the world building was based on that. I did take a bit, I mean, a lot from Dresden Files, because I love that game. But I wasn't ready to jump into a new system, so whatever. I think everybody <laughs> borrows. Yeah. Yeah, but they, they did a really good Baltimore in, their, in that game. So I really like that, too. Um, good, good. But, um, but a lot of the, like, you know, but as far as, as far as that, you have to, and I think the whole entire game sort of, like, background Bible, that came up actually from, <laughs> it was like some convention I went and found, like, a Star Trek Writer's Bible for TNG. And mm. I saw that and was like, huh. They have, you know, they have some very basic, they have some very basic guidelines as far as we, this is how generally how far things will go. This is what the ship basically looks like. This is, it was all very pretty, you know, it was, I mean, there were, there were some places that were very detailed, other places were just sort of like, we're sort of doing this with this technology or this kind of, or don't make the plaque go out of here. And that was kind of nice. And so it helped me think about how I was going to build games and structure them. Not that I didn't do it before that. It just helped me. I mean, and I think with, I mean, a lot of times, I think a lot of GMs get obsessed with world building and they often get intimidated by it as well. And in truth, there are thousands, literally thousands of different ways to generate and create stuff. Now, I mean, there's so many resources out there. It's ridiculous. I mean, for me, I mean, I think it's like, in the, in the, you know, 90s, there wasn't that much out there. Mm. You really did. I mean, there was only, if you weren't running a fantasy D&D game, you didn't have very many resources to really pull on. Uh, you're was, right. It was just like, I mean, if I wasn't running Dungeons and Dragons or running some fantasy game that I could pull Dungeons and Dragons stuff from, you were pretty screwed. You had to make up a lot of stuff, figure it out. I mean, even like when I played Traveler, it had a, lot, it had a, lot of, it had a number of books out. But a lot of its whole route base was, here's a map of a thousand worlds with some basic stats. You make them up. You flesh it out. So, you know, you, you learned how to world build just from that kind of thing, you know. And also because players often ask questions that the people who even did those games weren't asking or yeah. didn't think it would be necessary to even bring up, you know. It's, it's, it's kind of funny, like, you know, I was, you know, I, Heroes Unlimited wasn't concerned about exactly certain things as far as how, who was responsible for taking care of these villains after you put them away? It was like, we're just making the villains, making the heroes. And that was it. It was like, uh, 
until you got another. They, it took them a while to build that out, but you know you had to do it in the meantime. And just so, from champions, put them in stronghold. Well, yep. yeah, that's the thing is you just <laughs> yeah you ended up just borrowing and, and choosing and so forth. I think they eventually did come out with something, but I can't remember what it was because I, I think I'd moved on by then. As far as it was limited, which was I still love. I love the game that we played. I wasn't a super big huge fan of the system anymore. I think it's best. I think that was a game that I really loved. It, it's fantasy was spot on. <laughs> it's fantasy was good. <laughs> I think some of that too is the difference between like there's there seems to be very different um, for D and D and probably other games too. There's kind of the the folks who play modules, mm-hmm. right? So like you buy a module, right? You create a party, you kind of play the module, and it's a self-contained experience, right? Yeah. It's not really world-building, right? But I don't know about you, but I, I think, if I understand, like, most of, of our experiences have been mostly homebrew or taking uh, pieces from modules and yeah. putting them in to, to a larger context. And so it's a very different style of of play if you're just playing sort of the modules you don't have to worry about that there's no greater world uh, yeah. on the outside that you have to define it's just let's just go through here let's do this and, and, and I it kind of it sets those I, boundaries for you yeah and i think that came from the fact that we all grew up as D was developing because remember modules came out first and then later on we got the world of greyhawk you know then we had more modules and then we later on got forgotten realms as a campaign world. And these are, yeah. I mean, so we like, we were already taking these modules and having to fit them into a world that we were making. So yeah, I think you're right. I think it's the timing as far as we had to do a lot of homebrew and take these modules, and integrate them into our world as far as, because we suspect that after this module, they're going to go somewhere else. So we got to have somewhere else <laughs> to go. I'm like, well, well, what are you even saying? This cave is right next to this swamp, you know, swamp temple. <laughs> uh, yeah. You, you know, so you end up having to make these maps and so forth. And then, you know, Eventually, TSR at the time did it, and then, you know, later on, you know, uh, which is the coast. But it's just kind of like, you know, I think that's why a lot of, that's where a lot of my world building came from, I think, myself, is because even though, like, for instance, Traveler has this whole entire world built up as far as that, but it needs you to fill in the details of that individual planet a lot of times. So that's became a practice of, I'm going to have to build this world, you know. Can you imagine, Malcolm, mm-hmm. if you if you had the resources that you ninety PGCC I, and all that? I don't even. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine how it what would, we would. What worlds we, we would have? We would have never left our houses. We'd be dead. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think we would have left our houses. And we would have been dead because it's just like I mean, yeah. I mean, you, we, you, you mean we'd be, we'd never be more alive because we would have never been married and had children. <laughs> we'd have, we'd have money, but no, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be, be having jobs. Those, uh... Think of well, the no, Mountain Dew that we, we, we would have drunk yeah. by now. Guys, I got to get to work as a janitor. Excuse me, I have to leave. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that is a good job. <laughs> it is. I'm not shitting on Look, it. I'd rather be a trash bin, though. Yeah, but literally, bad. but literally, we'd and all have jobs sitting around when we could play. Uh, I have to go. I've got a. I've got a game. Wait, you're, guys, what? I'll see you at three. I'll, I'll see you at three a.m. Yeah, see, we got we got Malcolm as the writer, Kubo as the videographer. We just turned the, these things into movies. That's the model, right? Absolutely. Yeah, Lord of the Ding Dat Ding Bats. That's what it is. Oh, I make I make an awesome key grip. Is all I'm saying. Co key grip you are, so. <laughs> on the on the flip side, oh, you're the best boy. What's the oh, shortest? Or a gaffer. What? Best boy. Um. <laughs> what, what is the absolute shortest K 
campaign where mm. you did all this world building and somebody pulled a uh, uh, a pitfall. Tony, why are you reaching this? You're trying to piss them off. Um, uh, somebody did a pitfall and went the other way and solved the like just like. You were done in a half hour because Sean was playing. He was like, fuck this. I killed the guy. Why is and, it like, always you know, me? There's a theme here. It's my fault. Um, yes. That, that's not true. It's, it's, it's Sean's fault. I can't say that. <laughs> I can't say that scenario has actually happened yet. Not that it won't. Um, I have had, I have worked on campaigns. <laughs> I mean, literally, I, I remember building a campaign, doing a, um, a website for them to review information and things about the characters and the ports and everything else. And they quit. They decided, Oh, we're done. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. You said you asked me to run a campaign. I'm like, yeah, we did for four weeks. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't do four weeks. I don't, I won't be doing. Cause like, you know, that's called a one shot for me. Cause I'm terrible at one shots and have no time management capability. So it's going to take four weeks, but I'm like, yeah, I, that, that was like when I decided this group does not get campaigns for me anymore. And right. then I decided I don't need to be a part of this group anymore. <laughs> but um, that was, yeah. that's what it was. But it was just like, um, have characters completely sabotaged entire situations? Yes. And yeah, it's I'm, fine. I'm, it's an expected danger. I mean, like, literally I have this one thing where I so thought, I just, they're surely going to support this NPC and go help him rescue these, you know, kidnapped children. Nope, we're yeah. off. Hey, this group certainly is not I was among like, that. I was like, yeah. oh, okay. So to our, uh, Malcolm, oh, okay. Malcolm, just a second. To our viewers, when you rewind this, while Malcolm's talking about this, just look at Nathan and Matt's face the whole time he's talking. Because I'm watching, because I know I totally fucked Matt once just like this by making a decision as the leader of the group. But really, you should go. An no reason for the group to go there. season down the trash. Because Matt kept telling, you guys really want to do this, why? And we're all like, none of us want to do it. We're leaving. And he's just looked at us like, well, I, uh, uh, we just left the planet. It's very hard to, yeah, it's sometimes hard to to gauge their motivations, and it will change at times, and you sort of have to, it's difficult. This is why I don't like, uh, I like not planning, because then I'm never disappointed. Well, the thing is, <laughs> I, I, I love world building. Adventure building is a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in theory, you know, it's supposed, the way it works is that, if you have a good enough framework or a good enough sort of like um, flexible mind to deal with certain things, like, you know, they killed the one NPC that was important to him. You got to just, you know, take your, you know, literally, if you need to just say, okay, guys, I'm going to take a break and I'll get back to you. And just literally figure out some way to land there behind right in front of the same NPC with their brand new skin and just send them again. Yeah, in like this game, the Twilight 2000 game, which we're, we're almost done editing, um, I was really thinking that at one point that they would never actually get to this college place I, I'd, I'd created. I thought they're, they're going in the completely wrong direction. I was like, oh, well, I, I guess <laughs> I'll have to from find you. something else for them to do. <laughs> and, and ended up finding a way to kind of, Bring them back around. And it's like, it's not always... Dangerous guns. Lots of guns. (laughs) Lots of guns. And I'll be be truthful. You don't always want to necessarily bring them back to that spot that you've made always. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, players find a path that you realize that, you know, it would be more satisfying if they do, if they went on the path they they want to go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if they like say, you know, like, you know what? They just said, we're not going to go for the... You're not going to go for the college. It's way too difficult. It's too dangerous and not worth the cost. But we saw these ships off the coast. You, You know, you just try and let them go with that and build off of that and transfer a few things and resources if you need to and so let it flow. 
I mean, because there's a lot of times adventures will go off the rails. Players will go in different And sometimes, literally, there are, literally, a lot of times, I'll be, more, than, more than they know, the players will come up with the adventures that I'm going to run. They will, yeah, yeah. Because right. they'll have this paranoid tirade, like, oh my God, I think he's actually the enemy. He's probably hiding in that base in there. Hey. Like, and I was like, oh, that's better than what I had. They're hiding in an enemy. In hey, hey. I love it when the players then, give you ideas. And then they go, right? and then they go like, and when they find it, they go, aha, we were right all along. Like, yes, you are. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've that's, definitely learned is sometimes shut the hell up because you're feeding the fire just by, yeah. you know. And, you know, a lot of it too is, is, uh, is is sometimes you have to let the players kind of lead lead you to you where, to to where they want to go and really the, the kind the kind of game that they want to play because if you kind of like really you know if you if you kind of it's it, you have to remember it's it's their story you know, you, it's their you're, story you're facilitating their story well I am I'm a big it's their story too <laughs> okay yeah all right yeah. I believe yeah, I'm, I mean, with I'll, I'll, I'm with I'll be you I'll be perfectly honest. I'll be mean, like, for instance, I'm at this point in my life where, like, now we fight. I don't take, like, listen, like, I, you know, like, I'll screen players. Like, I don't want this person in my game. They'll never have to know I'm running a game. Oh, God. This explains and, the last few years of my life. Oh. <laughs> you be quiet. That's also why I'm not going to move to Tennessee. <laughs> Is that for all of us? Wait a minute. That explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I, I mean, I think it's, I know for a fact that I've been very lucky and very fortunate with the friends that I've had and made. Mm. But like, you know what? We all remember and that's a person. Oh, yeah. I like, you know, sorry, I didn't mean to like, should I not use his name? Bleep yeah, it. I, was, I, was bleep just, it. I don't think you should bleep it. it. I, I think I think it's Matt. Was it Matt? Mike? Matt? Don't um, Matt, doesn't matter. Yeah. There are certain players that I do that I was like, no. They were the guy that punched through the wall or broke his hand or who's I that guy? I think so. Right, that might yeah. have been. Yeah, guy. something like that. I remember an incident uh, yeah. being told about that. And I think it's for me. It's asshole named Sean too. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, he was a fucking fucking marine. You know, just Malcolm came in wearing his I, fucking major dad jacket all the time. <laughs> I, if, would, I can, if I can interject, I'm really Malcolm. I'm a little concerned about the thousands, uh, hundreds, uh, the dozens, the dozens of fans that we have listening every week. I, I really don't want to disparage. Uh, <laughs> Anybody. <laughs> okay. But I. Thanks I, for bringing that up, Tony. Yeah. You guys are I just, than 7 million that you got him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to say that basically, you know, you, 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 you learn how your players play when you have some time to know them and so forth. As a matter of fact, I made a great, you know, I, I told a lot of people that it's good to sort of, you know, meet your players before you invite them to your house. It's just, it's not like dating, it's completely different. This is going to be far more important. <laughs> it's going to be longer. It's going to it may in last some cases. In some cases, in some cases, let's it's amend like, that statement. Sean, you don't have to. You don't have to bring in your own personal shortcomings. It's okay. <laughs> I am married. It only took thirty-eight. But um, <laughs> but it's just you know, it's just a matter of you know, yeah. You have it's it's also the one thing of being honest about your expectations of what you're planning on running in the game, and what they want as well. And then you guys yeah. coming together. Because, like, you know what? It doesn't help if you have this whole entire theme or sort of, you know, idea about this game, and none of your players are really in board for that, then it, come, then it becomes a judgery. Yeah. You're dragging, yeah, the, get, you know, you, want to, to you both one, want to yeah. come together and so we both like this idea. Yeah, so I'm trying like, to develop know, something like that, like a, a game that's a little different from what we've done, but I want to make sure everybody so in on it. Yeah, so, so what I but, so what I do now is I do a prospectus. It's like a short 
brief prospectus of what I want to do in the game. Like, you know, mm -hmm. this will be, you know, and, and pulling examples, you know, like for instance, I, for my Bronze Age game, it was like, you know, this will be, you know, a sword and sorcery game set in like Greek Bronze Age, you know, close to like, we'll think like, you know, very much think of, you know, of, um, not, I don't want to go, I didn't want to clash of Titans quite that much, but I was like, eh, it's going to be mythological. <laughs> not quite clash of the Titans, but definitely, you know, um, your Troy, as far as technology-wise, better acting. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and plot. So you had class um, of the Bisons, okay. You know, and as far as an expectation, as far as, you know, sword and sorcery, and that kind of, you sort of set an idea in, like, what will be the tone? It will be serious, and there will be, you know, no cinematic sort of, you know, advantages. It'll be very, it'll be, it'll be you know, the magic will be harsh and costly. The, the, the strength, you know, the strength of one's, you know, Armor and so it's just sort of set in the tone of what I'm expecting from this game, which is completely different than this. You guys are basically a you know a high level, mid level, you know good, good, decent level adventuring party with great renown and well respected. And suddenly you've been turned to kobolds by an evil necromancer. Now you have to go back into his, his you know back into his cavern to kill him. And you know you can be a, and you literally have to try and convince the whole world that you're not really kobolds, but being a kobold has been really fun. But anyway, go and. <laughs> <laughs> and therefore, you let everyone sort of make their chaotic sort of crazy person from there. And, you know, well, some will choose, you know, it just sort of, and if you say it's going to have a comedic tone or it's going to have a very serious tone or, you know, you give examples like this is going to be a, you know, this, this mech game is going to be a war journal. So think of, you know, Band of Brothers and, you know, and, you know, that kind of thing and have that sort of ideal. And I would like you to sort of watch those and think that. Or I can say it's going to be more of a sort of a lackadaisical. So think of, you know, oh God, what was the name? You know, Kelly's Heroes. That is oh, a completely yeah, different false. tone than Band but of Brothers. But serious, but serious. And the characters you get are going to vary, and the players have an idea of what they're getting into and if they're into that, and if they want to play it. So it's also that, you know, sort of giving them an idea of what you're doing. That's how you get this ga these games that are really, that really are just out of the park amazing. So uh, you guys got questions you want to ask? I do. So <laughs> yeah, I guess... <laughs> Because Malcolm, yeah, no, that was, um, that's you've, great. You've you inadvertently a answered a lot of them. Uh, no, I, was, I think, um, Nathan, do you mind? So, hey, Malcolm, so what real-world experiences have shaped how you run or play role-playing games? Um, one, to be literature. Um, two would be... <sighs> I, guess moving, two. I guess moving around as a kid... Being a military brat, it was having to form new, new, new uh, friend groups every three to four years. Oh, every yeah. three to four years, and even when we moved on, like you know, we moved on post, and you see, uh, we usually lived off base, but when we moved on post, it was even more evident that your friends would, you know, that you made would disappear, and new people would come there, and you'd sometimes the one thing that kept that sort of was like for some weird reason that was universal that kids were into was a role playing. Everyone and everyone would come to that table and. You would hope we'd be equal. It's not true, but it wasn't at the time. But <laughs> you, you sort of, it was still a balancer in some ways for a lot of us who weren't as popular or as athletic or as charismatic as other people around us. And in that space, we all were sort of together in our sort of awkward weirdness. And yet in the game, we were charismatic and we were strong and we were popular and we were, you know, forthright. You know, so I think that was the appeal that, that sort of built on that. And that's probably why. I mean, now it's more of just storytelling collectively with my friends 
And as far as building connections, I mean, it's really kind of funny how close um, the role-playing group friends are, you know. Um, I mean, I've known you guys for, God, ridiculous amount of time. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Decade. <laughs> decade. Yeah, let's go with, let's go with, yes, let's go no, with, it's, it's decades. Decades. That sounds so, yeah, so good. That, yeah, that makes me feel so much better. Uh, yeah, yeah, so much better. <laughs> In the decades. Right. Let me hit the gym but, yeah. in a second. All right, well, I mean, I don't know, Nathan, did we have any more, or did yeah, we want to move so, on to the final? Yeah, I, yeah, I was sure. just going to say that, you know, it's... It's, uh, I mean, you were in my wedding, you know, so, yes. so I mean, that, like all my friends, all of, all the really close friends I have, like every single one of them is, is really through game. That, that's, that's how I've, I've formed my, my relationships and I, I, I just know you this- for, for, for decades and Matt and Sean for decades and, and some of these other guys are, are a little fresher on, on that, but, but I'm sure I'm going to know you guys for like a, you know. It's still decades too. for me. I mean, even Nora <laughs> asked Nathan if, if he wanted to role play. Uh, didn't go quite as he expected. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so it's 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 uh, uh, so uh, cool and amazing that 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 uh, we're we're able to kind of just come together and, and do this this kind of funky hobby and and you know we kind of talked about how popular it, it's it's gotten. In the past few years, especially you know, with the the pandemic and everything, um, I think it sort of, I think it also being that the, the pandemic also sort of does a lot to boil down what connections were important, and we suddenly found out where they were. Yeah, you know, which was kind of funny is that a lot of players didn't realize that people were that important in their lives, but suddenly were when they realized, oh, you know what, I don't talk to this my cousin ever, but I talk to this person like almost every week. I mean. I don't. I mean, I really would have think, thought it was ridiculous that I'd be literally texting my players, the players in my Thursday night game, almost every day. <laughs> you know, we That's don't great. talk about the game. We just talk about everything else under the sun. And then we plan to go to movies together. Then we do dinners, all kinds of stuff. But it's like it's really, you know, we've been in each other's weddings. Well, not my wedding, but everybody, I've been in their weddings, you know. And it's kind of really just, you know, amazing how this sort of all, you know, it's all connected as far as, the pandemic and other things, but um, I mean, even years ago when I did that Gold Sparrow game, its whole uh-huh. purpose, its whole purpose was to get together friends that I hadn't played with in a while together, so yeah. we could play and just so you know, we you know just to see. And I found out, yep, we were still just as good friends as we were before. We still, you know, love to irritate each other while playing a role playing game. <laughs> as well as enjoy each other's company. Um, and I, I think that's one thing that, we, you know, that will continue to happen as far as, as, far as with this, the system, hopefully. Um, like, I've never, been, I've never been very good with the uh, multiplayer computer games, but I'm pretty, I guess I'm okay with this. <laughs> Not so good running, but definitely yeah. inter- different playing. It, it feels natural to me now, especially after you know, kind of doing this for almost a year. It's, it's, yeah. I've seen... My, the, the faces of my friends and, and, and the Lego person. 
Yeah, most, of the, most of the faces. Most of the faces. So serious Lego uh, fellow. I have a picture book of him, so it's all good. <laughs> I just put it's that all there. Legos. Like, hey, Chris. And I would like to thank you for being such a devoted subscriber to my OnlyFans. Yeah, it is. A, yeah. Gotta, keep, best, gotta best support your friends. <laughs> yeah. But um, easily, yeah. Uh, right. So, is there anything else that uh, you'd like to share with with the, the the fellow nerds out there that might happen upon this little uh, interview? Uh, sure. Um, <laughs> the one thing I just hope people take away with, well, if they're lucky enough, and hopefully they should look for it, and again, not necessarily not expect it, but definitely look for it, is um, a group that, that accepts you for who you are and how you are. And there is no compromising of yourself and completeness, and you don't need to do that. Um, there is now a large number of people out there playing role-playing games. It will take some work to find a good party sometimes. A good, and by a good party, I mean a good number of players who you would want to be your friends, who respect who you are, and all those specs, and you respect them. Um, there is a lot of opportunity out there for that, to enjoy yourselves and not to necessarily, you know, just be dragged into something. This is not one of those things that happen, but... Um, I think a lot of players are worried about if they're going to be, um, I mean, coming from an older player, speaking to a lot of younger players of that is a lot of them worry about being sort of, you know, um, I forgot the word. Um, I guess there's a lot of gatekeepers in these games and a lot of methods of way we, we play this game, that we play our game is very different than the game that you may play. And it may not necessarily be this way we play it may not necessarily be the way you want to play it. And that's about peer pressure. Talking about peer pressure. Not just peer pressure, but it's also just like, you know, people often find out sometimes like, oh, you can't play that type of character in this game. Oh, and I it's see like, what you're saying. And it's I like, gotcha. It's not your character for one. And the thing is like, if the I'll game play whatever I want to play. If their game they're playing in and the, and the players with them that they're playing with accept that character for what it is, it is no one outside of anybody's business. They're there to enjoy themselves. And if they're accepted to that table, let them be accepted and play that character. And a lot of people worry and have this sort of thing of really editing themselves to be places and do stuff. And what we need to do, what I'm hoping to do in the future is to make certain that role-playing is another one of those places that becomes safer, more accepting, and um, much more healthier even than it is now. And are we doing great? I don't know. I'm not taking a barometer. I mean, I've lucked out pretty much. But that's probably not true for everybody's experience. And that's what I found out when I went to a lot of, you know, I've gone to conventions and everything and met some players and heard their horror stories and GM's horror stories. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we still have to just, we just have to present something that's going to be, it, it, ours is going to be pretty crass and crazy. And, you know, it's the old guy, so that's what we do. But if that's your thing, please, please enjoy it. Yeah. But, you know, there's always a place at a table, the right table. There'll be a place for you. It's not the whole entire, it's not all role-playing. It's that's shunning you. It's some very small-minded people, and you can find a place. Yay. And there'll be some guys. Very <laughs> well said. Very well said. That's great. Unless you're Sean, in which case, no. <laughs> no. That's fair. That's fair. Two thumbs up. All right. We've taken on Sean just to, to, to keep the, uh, the rest of the safe. Yeah, the balance. Yeah. The balance. It's the balance. The balance. The balance. It is the balance.
So, so Malcolm, I, w- I would say that uh, one one my my one of my most memorable gaming uh, experiences of all time was learning that I could fit into one of your mom's dresses. I okay. am so glad that she will never hear this podcast. <laughs> but that was true. That was yeah. Malcolm yeah. Chow, why is this dress not fit me? It's so stretched I even, out. I didn't even. I just put it back in the rack and hope she never wore it. <laughs> My God, the waist is so big now. Well, that's really funny. Hey, you should I say was, that, Malcolm. I was more on the line right then. now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God! I say, Matthew, you owe me a new dress. I mean, did she have a good sense of style? Because you know, I'm always looking for new outfits. <laughs> she has. <laughs> Matt I mean, literally, it. it's over. It's there over. was there was like a she had a dress for every day of the year. If you were Good going to her. church every day of the year. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. So, it had, you know. It be flame retardant. Um, well, it might be flame retardant. It would come with a matching hat and all kinds of things. So, you know, shoes. So, well, yeah, she went we, all out. She went all no, out. Right? It was a very flowy yeah. dress. That yeah. That, yeah. 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 It's a whole style right there. Right? And it was in the basement closet. Yeah. So, it wasn't. Well, that's where you put on your. It wasn't in prime rotation, so it was downstairs in the basement. With <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, where you brought on your mom's dress. Over to my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's where you did it. I, I just didn't have this belief, but yeah, that was oh god. Yeah, thanks Decades. for the The I things know. that my I, I mean, my parents would be like, I, the morning after, my dad would be like, "Why are you in the basement with all these white boys?" <laughs> all the long. <laughs> and it's like it was never it was like it was like because he was always he'd come down the stairs at like four or something and like look in his bathrobe and then just turn around and go back upstairs oh you're right he did that yeah and it was like it'd be like he'd be like i don't and his questions would be like i think he was kind of disappointed because we were doing nothing but sitting around a table with dice and stuff and he was just like <laughs> they're not even not even listening to records Wa- or anything. watching akira yeah, yeah. yeah. So They're not like, even planning to overthrow the government. Yeah, it was like good. nothing, you know. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I mean, they could sneak some girls in at least or something. Yeah, What's my mom's it? biggest thing was like, as long as no, she we just couldn't have. Out. Yeah, was like, <laughs> no, we couldn't. Have. No, how would that happen? happen? <laughs> I don't know. We would have got caught, but it would have been funny. That, not for us, not you. What's a girl? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that, that was that was another problem. Like, yeah, it was like that was another little challenge, little challenge for for you know. That is, yeah, I. We we back then we definitely were lacking, um, mm. but yeah. What are you talking about? Nathan was the man. Leisure Not suit that, and all. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> scary, yes. scary, yeah. scary. Can we go into a bar? I want to meet some girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I was casting a lot of magic missiles in the darkness. <laughs> yes. I had to scrape them magic missiles off my walls in the morning. Well, Malcolm, we're so I'm sure you are so glad that you've come back. <laughs> I am I say that I, to the I, end. I don't even I don't have the words. <laughs> there are no words. Just be quiet. Shh. Yeah. I, just I let it folks. Just it's let it sorrow. happen. <laughs> Importantly, but, uh, when, when is Tim gonna get some sneaky camera time in the background? Yeah. Well, yeah. I am actually upstairs in our gaming room. Oh yeah, it's a nice gaming room too. So he's downstairs in the bedroom, I believe, now watching TV because I try that would to be a good up, studio, but, Malcolm. But, but we're but he, we're in Tennessee, so. <laughs> 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 but 
I'm just saying, uh, he has a nice gaming room. Yeah, just, right. just yeah. <laughs> oh, we're going to show up yeah. after everything. We're going to get it work. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, he's at some point in the future, he plans on, you know, swinging through here and just sort of saying hello. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress. He can after. also mail us individually uh, desserts. <laughs> Pies. Yeah, pies. pies. Yeah, send us pies. <laughs> now, come and make 15 pies. Can you send these out to your friends? Oh, God. Does he have some yeah. sort of pie of the month subscription service? Because, you know, I'll sign up. No, they never get it out of the house. It's a problem. <laughs> uh, I was disappointed in the lack of pies at Geek Weekend. They're <laughs> up on sale. Well, I think it's literally because I decided I wasn't taking a cooler. He was like, well, okay, I'll just let you go. I'm not saying anything. And then I'm like, okay. You know what's funny? Our guests don't know Malcolm's the only person that living with a, ta- a permanent tapeworm. That's how he's still alive. Because of, because of that. <laughs> He'd be it dead is, from pies. <laughs> it is slacked off during the pandemic, but yes. You know, Sean, thank you for reminding me. I have to take mine out for. <laughs> Get a piece of bacon and put it on your tongue. That's how you yeah. do it. <laughs> but, uh, I, do, we, do we? Do we have I a wish- second? I got. I got to totally oh, finish your thought, Malcolm. So no, no, please. I was just going to go on, go on. What you said, you think, Maurice? No, this is like just a total geek talk. Um, and I'm just wondering, this is for, for everybody. It's like with the popularity seemingly, well, why? So I guess the first question for the group is, um, and Malcolm, I'd like for you to kick it off. As you wish. Do, you, do we feel like we're at a, a pinnacle now, or do we still feel like it was in the uh, in the eighties, nineties, uh, as far as gaming? Well, that's your old person maybe, talking, right? Because there, right? Yeah, it is, you've, I feel like I just remember walking by complete strategists and having fond memories, right? Um, in other, you know, popular gaming stores, and but I feel now it's full on. Like across the board, I think I, I feel like maybe it's because of the social media that I'm just getting this impression. Or do you feel like it actually has expanded and crossed so many barriers where it really was just knuckle draggers, you know, back in the day uh, where I feel like it's really crossed a lot of uh, different uh, uh, groups uh, that it didn't before. What do you guys think about that? Um, Okay. I I would say, um, well, I am trepidatious to say that I, I don't, I mean, is it at its peak? Uh, I would now as compared to the, in the past. Um, yes, it definitely is reaching a lot more people and a lot more and has crossed over to a lot more different sort of genres and beings and places. I mean, we would, I mean, the things, I mean, yeah, we'd had conventions and we'd have lots of players and so forth, these conventions and so forth. It does not compare to the numbers we're seeing now. You cannot, you, as someone who even who plays a role-playing game, can't get on your phone or any media or something without being bombarded with a number of different ways of, like, either accessories for a role-playing game or something like that for a role-playing game. Because you've looked once or twice... You are now getting, I get, you know, 50 <laughs> different people with miniatures and manufacturing of dice. And the thing is, there used to be only one place. Like, oh, I can go down to, you know, you had your gaming store and they were made by the same manufacturer. Everyone used that same dice. There was no variants. It was just chess X and that yep. was it, you know. Ralph Parthen miniatures. Yep. Ralph Parthen miniatures. 
you know, and I mean, there were probably, there were, I mean, things like literally now it's everywhere. And there's so many different crossovers with different celebrities or whatever, if you want to call them, playing the game and being recognized as players of the game. And it's very weird when people are saying, you know, I'm trying to find a D&D group because I hear they have a D&D group. And it's like, it's, it's almost like 50s part cheesy or bridge. You know, get your bridge group. Oh, we have our D&D group. And it's like, it's, I mean, it varies between, I mean, the, the age range is much broader than it was before, mm-hmm. ever. Um, and, and because we do have an excess media wide, you can, you know, watch podcasts, you can hear games, you can read comic books, you can get stories, you have novels, you have so many different ways you can absorb just the role-playing, just for D&D, let alone any other role-playing system at all, all out there. There are now in popular media for the last 10 years, people turning to fantasy stories to tell fantasy settings to tell stories. And that means that basically, you know, it can be, you know, your high fantasy, low fantasy, or even just alternate history, you know, all the, you know, and science fiction and science fantasy, all these things are now becoming an idea of where can we can actually tell a story in this medium. And they will say, well, I want to have that adventure. And I can actually do it too. And it's kind of something when you're sitting at the water cooler, or at least you probably won't now because of the pandemic, but before, before the pandemic, people talking about a game or getting together and people, people having no clue what they were talking about and feeling left out, you know. As that, you know, and then, you know, so it's definitely crossing different, uh, different lines. And it's a lot more inclusive too. Mm. I mean, I think about all the years that I played, several decades <laughs> of role playing. Because you're old, right? You're, like you're like you're <laughs> fucking old, right? Because yes, <laughs> the ARPG really applies. Um, <laughs> is is who was in that? Who were who were the people that I saw play? Who did I see in the books? Who was I playing with? You know, I mean, there. I mean, what was so. I just thought it was, you know, it was just, it, it was just like the way Sean. it was. Well, no, they weren't, they weren't nearly as, they weren't nearly as hot as Sean was at the time. <laughs> at the time. At the time. Let's <laughs> say that. Yeah, yeah. It's important. It's true. But, um. No lights, yeah. But it was just like, it was like, oh, you know. shut up. It was like, there was a very, you know, you, what you looked around and what you saw was pretty, it was pretty, you know, it was pretty much very similar. I mean, sorry, it was a lot of white guys. A lot of straight white guys, <laughs> and that's what you saw, you know. What do you, what and, do you mean? And, and, you know, and occasionally, you know, you have, you know, one person, a person of color, and you almost never, never found a woman in that space. No, you're right. You're I know. Right. And, Believe me, and I know. Was, and there was a lot of, and, thing, and there was a lot of, and the thing is, there was a lot of reasons for that. I mean, it wasn't, I'll be perfectly honest, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a welcoming space for a lot of players. I agree. Yeah. Malcolm because also, a lot of, yeah. because a lot of a lot of not I mean a lot of male players felt intimidated by having a woman in the room. And so it's better just to sort of just steer her away than have her include. Other well, times and other times you had play you know other times we also had experiences where the only time we had a female player in our game was like she was the significant other of someone of a player. And our interest was only being there for that person. And it was like, you know, so that also sort of made us dismissive of, oh, she's just here not to really play. 
But that's well, all changed now. We have all we have games which are entirely just women. Here, here. And Mal- yeah, Malcolm. But let me. I also think that um, you're not saying you're wrong, but I think it's a little deeper than that because I do believe. I made a comment when I was in my interview, like. You didn't walk up to a girl and say, I have a fifth-level paladin, and exactly. they, they fucking want to jump on you. Yeah, you it never It wasn't would. a cool thing. And I think maybe socially for, for women. You know, society, that, women, that's most weird, women, Sean, because that's they were, how I would get laid all the time. I would, that's exactly uh, what I, I would you, say. Is, uh, yes, yes, I'm in your dreams. I'm a fifth-level paladin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but I think also it was like, for most, I mean, not there probably were some women that were interested, but they just were like, this is not what we do. Right. This is not yeah. what normal people do. This is this not what is normal like, people do. Mm-hmm. You know, and not, you know, and, but actually most of the people who played were actually normal people. They weren't just, I was no computer geek. I was fucking a guy in the Marines and worked at a grocery store and liked driving hot rods and listening to heavy metal music. Crazy. Um, yeah. Um, you were, you were, you know, you were, you were an artist and you were, you were, you were real good what you did. Nathan was a geek. Uh, but the rest of us, you know. <laughs> but I, I wasn't but I, a computer geek yet, though. That was, yeah, not yet, yet. Not yet. But we knew, Nathan, we could tell. Regularly. But I think that a lot of people, that's <laughs> the thing is, like, there was also a persona that was projected on anybody role-playing. Yeah. Oh, so yes, it, so, yes. And a lot so, of time it fit. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it weird, fit. but, you, I mean, you're right, Malcolm. A lot Malcolm, of times it fit, right. but, you know, the thing is, that became a deterrent. And the thing is, I it think did, now yeah. people look around and say, oh, well, this super, you know. Oh, it's this amazing. Su- this superstar is playing this game, and he's amazingly hot and everything else. Why am I not playing this game? And it's like. Yeah, you look at. Yeah, look at the truth. 20, it, was like, it, was like, yeah. it was like, that guy was playing the game when he wasn't so hot, but you guys didn't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you look but, at the uh, Dimension 20, Roll 20, and it's diverse, and, but we're just, we're just a bunch of old friends, so it's, I don't know if some 20-something would like to jump in with us, because we're, we're probably bore the shit out of them. So, uh, Malcolm, <laughs> look, can I interrupt you for a second, because you brought up something very interesting, and that is mm-hmm. the, not, the, the uh, non-welcoming aspect, because you had this like, cycle, um, nobody wanted, you know, uh, geek culture found each other playing this, and then also you had this sort of weird thing where it would be you know, uh, they you wound up shunning the people who wanted to get included, women, for example, because you didn't know how to relate to like like you're saying, and 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 and, and, and what Sean is saying at the same time, where it's almost it became its own uh, uh, self fulfilling prophecy, which is like yeah. we don't want you here. And because of that, you don't want to be here. And it took yeah. a, and it took a long time to bridge the gap. And even now, you have this weird thing where you have people who have been playing for a while, where they're shunning newbies, whether they're yeah, whatever people are. Uh, who were ex- the other, right? You know, I earned this spot because yes. I'm an old cock son, yeah. uh, son of a bitch. <laughs> it's just like. That's great, dude. Well, you can live. You can die, then die alone. But yeah, they, if you want the, if you want this to continue, yeah, the gatekeeping to, is is a thing, and yeah. and that's what I'm saying. It's like it was ended up being a self fulfilling prophecy back then, and I think that um, also it became it also was how the industry decided to you know who they were actually making the games for, you know, it, 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 and it's, it's, and how it was set up. So you sort of you know you kind of like. When, you, when you've been pushed out of every other group and you find a group that's your own, you're kind of reluctant to let somebody else in that group who doesn't really fit them. Because this is ours. You can go somewhere else. It becomes a thing. But that's changing. But I think now we have a lot more... The game, first of all, the system is far more approachable. The game is a lot more approachable. The idea of it, the actual persona of being a person who plays role-playing games 
is vastly different than it was in 1990. Yeah, I, I would even say, I, I'll tell you, I up it hasn't it's only been the last maybe two and a half years that I would openly talk about in my workplace. In fact, it's actually really only been the last two years where I would actively talk about this topic at my workplace out of concern of being labeled. Even even with its rise in popularity, mm-hmm. it, it, again, it has just been, again, the last couple of years where I would admit to, to role-playing um, because there's, there's still stigma, right? There's, there's, I, there's, yeah. there's st- cause especially if you're around older people, right. You know, and it's, it's, there's still like this, um, thing. And, and <laughs> Monsters I kind of, <laughs> yeah. So it is, it is interesting. And I do think it, at least again, and it's, I know I'm kind of on the outside for some of this stuff, but a comment you made earlier, like I, I do think that a lot of the publishers are really trying just like we're seeing in a lot of our movies now and stuff like that, we're we're trying to represent these stories to greater numbers of people. And one of the best ways to do it is to represent them in the material, right? Uh, and, and so I I I think you know I've I've read some of these horror stories too, but I'm also seeing like Malcolm's uh, not Malcolm Nathan's got that friend Mitch, right? Like they've got like you know there's lots of um, there's lots more diversity. And inclusiveness yeah. and the way that people, you know, the safe spaces are becoming safer. I mean, there's Ooh. all kinds of stuff out there. And I, I'm hopeful. I'm, I guess I'm maybe an eternal optimist, right? That, that, you know, part of making this a more appealing to a larger audience is making those people feel like they're part of it, right? They're not just, you know. And, and I, looking I, at the I'm time, saying- you might. Oh, yeah, yeah it is sorry. getting late. It's, it's I'm worried about wa- you. I, I just want to add thanks. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's great. So like, to Matt's point, uh, you know, with, with uh, publishers, creators, people uh, creating these games or uh, writing, writing uh, you know, doing art for the games, it's, it's definitely a lot more diverse, a lot more welcoming. But, but even back when we played, like coming out of high school, you know, really being very, very insular, and, and then going to college, and, and and you know, meeting a lot of people, like you know, I didn't have any any gay friends in high school. I didn't understand what gay was. I really like, I just didn't get it. I, I just like, I I kind of so like having like having like. Uh, like meeting people that were really outside of my my wheelhouse really uh, made me see like a larger world and and gaming is what what that that uh, did for me so so I had gay friends playing I had you know we had uh, a couple uh, women at the table too and 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 that really uh, that whole experience uh, changed like my whole outlook. Uh, like I just understood the world better, and part of that is the whole college experience too. Is yeah. is, is is learning, but 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 really experimenting. The, 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 yeah, <laughs> the, the vehicle was 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 gaming, and and that really uh, and, and seeing how it's it's even a lot more open, more inclusive. Like back then when we were playing, you know, you look at the first edition Palladium rule. This book here, which I still have, like basically, <laughs> uh, 
if you got gotten insanity, one of the insanities is, is could turn you gay. So that was like, you know, you, you could like that's that's I never knew that. That's horrifying. That's like completely horrifying and terrible. Could turn you happy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, it's, yeah it's good. Good, good. Good news is there's clerics that can help you pray out that condition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh so we, can't ha- we can't have you be fabulous now. Yeah, Come sit here was, and be whipped. That was, yeah. And it was, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah uh, mm. under yeah, sexual deviation, under neurosis. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's, 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 it's like, I, I, I picked this up for nostalgia like a few months ago. And I was like, oh, holy shit, the fuck is that? <laughs> Yeah, it's but, it's it's interesting what you see when people wrote and how things are written, and I, uh, you know, publishers have got to help them gotten better, but um, yeah, yeah, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, and you know, I mean, and to think that you know, just like was it, I guess it came out last year or the year before last. I was, you know, there, you know, there's, you know, I remember being really excited, even though I wasn't really running in the Theros game world, you know. Was like you know there was this gay couple which is one of the heroes of this world you know and I was like there they are and they even have a special ability well anybody did because basically it was just like domestic partnership so if you had the same roommate for five years who ate your Cheetos you could get this you know companion power too but anyway <laughs> it was nice you know and I was like hey and I was just like it was just the idea that you know it wasn't necessarily for me I mean I enjoyed seeing it but I kept thinking about if I had seen that if I had seen that. In 83. Mm. Right. How would I have seen myself? If I'd seen these books much earlier, how would I have seen myself? I would know without a doubt that I could be in this space. I would know that things about, you know, my experience could be added to a game and be valid, you know? And, and, and the opposite was more true, which was seeing things in the perceived possibly in a negative light where it's just like, oh, well, now I'm, I'm definitely not going to reveal that, that. I'm, a, I'm Italian because, like, you know, everybody hates Italians just to be there, whatever. But, like, True. but you know, it turns out, this might, this might be an edit point for the podcast, but um, turns out first editions of a lot of books, some of them are about 2,000 years old, and we're in, <laughs> uh, they, they have a lot of crazy things in them as well. So... Uh, <laughs> What are you talking about? Oh, no. Get more specific. <laughs> Some of their edits actually made it get worse, though. <laughs> yes, depending on which pope you're yeah, talking, really sure talking about there. Yeah, interpretation apparently has, yeah. Yeah, has a lot to do with it. Yeah, the well, Kama Sutra was better like 100 years ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, 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 I can't even yeah. bend like that anymore. <laughs> I, I only like the, uh, the uh, Irish edition of the Karma Sutra. So it's all potatoes. Potato ambassador to potato emperor. Except for page 46, which is just a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> and a shot glass. Yeah. Oh, but, um, yeah, it's, yeah, I, you I know, it's, Malcolm, I, I know it's getting late for everybody, but, it, and I, and I know it's I'm a good. very personal thing for all, that we're all talking about, but I feel like it's, it, it's extraordinarily relevant, but thanks for, you know, even sharing. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I said that right, but yeah, you know what I mean. Well, we get we get it. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. I mean, uh, I traded these three members of this party just to have Malcolm on more often. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we, should, just sit and, we should just sit and bullshit like this. Yeah, uh, without He's not talking about me, guys. Yeah. I'm just letting you know. Yeah. Always the Italian. But, uh, Thanks, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> 
He's not worried about me. I'll be drunk in a corner gibbering. <laughs> <sighs> oh, well, I, I think we probably do have to wrap it up. We could yeah. probably do this till we in the morning yeah. hours or until we start oh, all falling asleep because we're old. And putting on Michael's mom's clothes. That's right. <laughs> that's, yeah. Which that's Matt seems to be strangely fascinated right about. Wrapped in the cat. Matt seems Look, to keep bringing that normal. up every few months about yeah. the clothes. Uh, but yeah, so, so uh, yeah. Yeah, for you. I'll, I'll so, I'll, I'll yeah. Is there any more questions? No, no, we're, we're wrapping up. Say, so, wrap. say, say right. goodnight, Malcolm. Okay. Dude, dude. Good night, everyone. Who's, it's who's been a pleasure. Peace, love, and bubblegum. Uh, that'll be Nathan. Yeah, Nathan, do you have a wrap-up? Wrap okay, okay. Yeah, he's got a wrap-up. Yeah, I was wrapping up right now. Shut the fuck up. The part of Sean tonight's being played Shall by Tony Shall I go Tony again? <laughs> Should I say goodnight again? Yeah, say goodnight again, sir, no, please. Just, we'll just keep the way it is. And, and you know, okay. uh, people, the chaos. anybody who's listened to us before know we just... We don't know how to wrap up a game or, or anything. No, so we yeah. end with a whimper every time. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but I, 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 this is awesome. Uh, anytime I get to spend with you, time is uh, guys are great. Uh, I hope uh, people find some value in this this interview. I loved it. I just uh, want to. I just gotta say one thing, you. Nathan. No, Sean, it's really no, important. No, no Sean. It's really yeah. important. It's really Sean, important. Just mute it. Yes, we have to. Hit the button. Hit the button. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Right, it's nothing bad. Sorry. It's just about we all got to talk about on Discord how great this was. So Tyrion thinks he missed something awesome. Tyrion's gonna great. be furious. <laughs> yeah, we were all on it, but Tyrion. That's all I have to say. He's gonna even asked. He, he asked said, to be. Can, yes, I, he can I? Can I interview? You know, like, he asked, well, and we were all on it. That's what I'm talking about. With him. <laughs> Thank you. Nathan, Thank you. Nathan, yeah, yeah, Nathan. Yeah. So yeah. I did have to, we, Matt. So fuck you. If he so really, if he really wants to, we can do a mock interview for him. Like, oh, like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The, mic, the mics are on. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. We should do that. Is there uh, a way? Terrible people. Is there a way to bring the stream of this? And then, like, add him so he thinks he's on with us live. No, because he might ask me specific questions about <laughs> that. Would be no, that'd be even funny, though, because you yeah. just completely blow him off. <laughs> right. He's like, so he's like, like can, you can you guys what? hear me? Uh, Can't you hear me? My stuff's not working. Oh, my God. What if we just have Tio do a review? Like, a, like, like we just put him in a corner. He's giving a review. Even better, at the first five minutes of the episode, we'll just all of us be going, Tio, we can't hear you. Can you check your mic. <laughs> just, just. Uh, all right, guys. So, well, but uh, if he, I'm, the, I'm, I'm up for doing a whole other interview with him if you want. I'd be, I wouldn't mind that. Either. I've got time tomorrow. Yeah, you'll be fine. Um, but thanks, That's thanks everybody. Ha have a good night and have a good, good night. night. Thank yeah. you so much, guys. See y'all later. Good night. night.